We are in a series that we're calling Break Free. And uh, as you can tell by that really strange uh, bumper video that we just played, those were all different people or animals breaking free. So we had a, a cool lizard breaking free from the snakes. Have any of you guys seen that? On Discovery Channel, it was like one of the Planet Earth ones or whatever. And uh, that lizard, there's like a hundred snakes chasing him and he, he makes it out. And then babies breaking out of their crib. And you know, even, even an elderly, a wise elderly lady escaping from, you know, wherever she's supposed to be. So, yeah. So, we are going to continue in this series. And the reason we're calling it Break Free is uh, we're talking about spiritual disciplines over the next, uh, the last few weeks, tonight and next week, we'll conclude this series. And the reason we wanted to call it Break Free when talking about spiritual disciplines is that uh, a lot of times we think of spiritual disciplines as chores that hold us down. And like uh, the Bible might just be like a list of rules that we have to follow. And, and being a follower of Jesus just means that there's all this stuff that we can't do and what we wanted to really spend some time focusing on is that spiritual disciplines are not like chores that hold us down, uh, but they're actually actions and habits that we can create in our lives that set us free and allow us to find freedom uh, in a relationship with Jesus. So um, pull out your outlines, grab a pen if you don't have an outline. We've got a few on some of these tables that don't have anybody at them. Maybe if you raise your hand, Nick would bring you one if you need one. But uh, grab your outline, and if you brought your Bible, which I hope you did, go ahead and open it up to Colossians chapter 4. That's going to be our main passage tonight. We're not going to uh, jump right into it yet, but I want you guys to turn to Colossians chapter 4, all right? Colossians chapter 4 is where we're going to pull uh, from tonight. Now, have any of you guys ever had an imaginary friend? An imaginary friend? Okay. Right? I don't think I did, but looking back, there's potential that I didn't realize that one of my friends was actually imaginary. Have you guys ever thought about that? Like, if you had such a good imagination that, like, what if? What if, and then when you were, like, in your 30s and you were talking to your parents, like, just the other day on Mother's Day, we were at my parents' house celebrating uh, Mother's Day. And uh, I was talking to my parents about some of my friends from elementary school. And what if what your parents were like, no, no, Josh, that person did not exist. Your friend Josh, he was your imaginary friend. Wouldn't that be weird? All right. So, um, so some of us have had an imaginary friend before. I don't think I did, but maybe I did. Uh, how, how many of you, if you had an imaginary friend, would have conversations with that friend? Okay. Out loud, Kendra? It's okay. This is a safe place. Out loud, most of you guys. And Kendra, Kendra, what was the name of your imaginary friend? Okay, somebody else. Somebody want to tell me what? Fufu. All right, see, now that's not believable. I mean, we would have known it was imaginary, okay? Kevin. All right, we'll go with Kevin, right? And so you're having these conversations where maybe you're like talking, right? And that all makes sense because my boys... They're little, they're three and six, and so uh, they play with their toys as if their toys, uh, you know, are alive or whatever, and so um, sixth graders, you know, th that's possible, um, if you guys still believe in Toy Story. Um, so my sons really like Toy Story, actually, and uh, I didn't realize I came home uh, early one day for lunch, 
And I didn't realize that my six-year-old Liam had put his Toy Story toys out, like, in, like intentionally. I thought they were just, you know, because most times kids' stuff is just like, like exploded all over the room. But apparently he had put them and like remembered where they were. And uh, they just so happened to be where I wanted to eat lunch. So I came home for lunch one day when he was at school, the family was away. And I just like, I've got my lunch and I like move all the toys across the table. I didn't think anything of it. And then later when I came back home from work, he runs up, dad, dad, what? My Toy Story toys move all by themselves. I think they were moving by themselves. And so he, like, legit thought that, like, Woody was, like, you know, got up when we, when we weren't looking. Um, and I never told him that I came home. I let him believe it. I don't care. That's fun for me. I don't care. I don't care. The weird thing is uh, my wife, Susan, never said, how do you think those toys moved? So maybe she believes it. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not bringing it up, though. All right? Here's another question, all right? So you have these conversations with an imaginary friend. Have any of you ever had this experience where you're talking to someone and uh, maybe you're telling them like a really intense story, something that's really important to you and you're like five minutes in on this like really intense story and all of a sudden it dawns on you that they're not listening to you at all? Have any of you? Yeah. Right? Kendra, all the time that happens to me. Everyone that I talk to, I realize they're not listening. Okay. All right. We all have had that experience right? Where you're talking to someone, you think they're listening, you kind of pause and look at them, and they go like, what? Were you talking to me? Right? We all know that feeling of like talking to thin air, right? We all have experienced that. And so tonight, the spiritual discipline that we want to talk about, and I want to spend some time like thinking about is the spiritual discipline of prayer, because I think if we don't understand prayer sometimes for us, it can feel like that. See, prayer is one of the more difficult spiritual gifts that we'll talk about in this series because we don't immediately feel the benefit of prayer often, right? And it can feel like, we know that you guys feel this way because we've got those Ask Us Anything cards on the table, which you guys did a great job of writing questions last week. If you guys have any questions, sixth graders, if you guys have questions, our next series is going to be called Asking for a Friend. So just write a question on that card. It can be anonymous. Put it in the black barrel on your way out. You guys, a lot of you guys asked about, like, why does it feel like God doesn't talk back to me? Or why pray when nothing changes? Have any of us ever been in a situation where we prayed and prayed and prayed and we just felt like the outcome wasn't what we wanted? I know I have. Many of us have, right? And so what we want to do tonight is we want to understand the spiritual discipline of prayer a little bit more. And we want to look at, like, why we do it, how we do it, and what we can benefit from it, okay? Because I think we all sometimes struggle with, like, how do I pray and why? And if you're just praying to get a new Xbox and you're not getting a new Xbox, maybe you need to change your prayers a little bit, okay? So what I want us to do is uh, we're going to read in Colossians chapter 4 to start off tonight. In Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4, it says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. Christ. 
That is why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will pro- proclaim this message as clearly as I should. See, uh, the book of Colossians uh, was written by a guy named Paul to the church in Coloss, and the people there were called Colossians, so this is a letter to the Colossians, okay? But, uh, but this is also stuff that God has for us to learn from as well, and, and uh, one thing that you should notice is Paul says, that is why I'm here in chains. Uh, Paul wrote this letter from prison, okay? Actually, a lot of his letters were written from prison, um, and uh, we'll get into another one of his letters later tonight, um, and I want you guys to just think about the way Paul writes about how God encourages him from prison, okay? It's pretty powerful, but um, this passage teaches us a lot about how we should pray, and so tonight, that's what I want to do, is I want to walk through what this passage tells us about what we should do when we pray, okay, or how we should pray, all right? And so the first one is that we should fill this in, pray constantly, pray constantly. The first thing that that passage says is devote yourselves to prayer. If you know what devote means, you know that it's another word for like being committed to, right? Staying committed to something. Devoting yourself to someone means that you're choosing to stay committed and connected to whatever that is, okay? If you devote yourself to prayer, it means that you're committing to praying, all right? Prayer is not something that we just do every once in a while, and I think so many of us struggle with prayer because we only pray the few times we think about it, or maybe we only pray when we absolute, when we're, life is at its absolute worst, we're in dire straits, and we can't see any way out, and so we turn to prayer, and we say, God, if you just if you give me extra credit so I don't have to repeat seventh grade, please, you know? So you pointed at me like, yeah, that's me. I pray that prayer, (laughs) right? But this passage teaches us that we should devote ourselves to prayer. In fact, uh, another passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it just simply says, never stop praying. Never stop praying in 1 Thessalonians 5. Now, does this mean that we should be constantly walking around like praying all the time? This is something that I, I kind of like struggled with when I first heard uh, this, this phrase like pray without ceasing or never stop praying. I was like, does that mean that like at school I can't talk to friends because I'm like, I have to pray? Like I'm going to look like a weirdo if I walk around school and I'm just like, you know, walking to my next class. And I'm like, dear God, please don't, just please don't let me trip right now. Okay, right foot, dear God, left foot. Dear God, you know, like you look like a... <laughs> You look like a wacko if you did that. So, no, I don't believe that that's what this passage means, but this passage is telling us that we need to be in constant communication with God and developing our relationship with him. And so, no, it doesn't mean that you have to pray out loud everywhere you go. No, you don't see, we don't see people doing that, right? But what we do see is people that are committing their lives to Jesus and they're growing in their relationship with him as they develop a relationship, they're in communion with him. They're in relationship and fellowship with God throughout their life. You have best friends. I'm sure each of you has a best friend. Some of you guys might be here with your best friends tonight, and that's great. But you wouldn't be much of friends if you never spoke with each other, right? Right? And the best way to get to know someone is to have a relationship with them. And so that's basically what this passage is teaching us is that if you believe that Jesus 
what he said about himself was true and you want a relationship with him, then you need to spend time with him. That's why we pray constantly. The next thing that we do is we pray passionately. It says to pray with an alert mind. Pray with an alert mind. Right? And it's this idea that we should, we should know what we're praying for. We should know and be aware of what we're praying. If you're not alert, right? If you're not alert, it kind of means you're not paying attention, right? So this passage is telling us, hey, pray with an alert mind. Like, be aware of what's going on. Be at the ready. Like, know what you're talking to God about. And the reason we say pray passionately is because if there's something that you're constantly talking to God about, if there's something that you're constantly devoted to, that, then it stands to reason that you're going to be passionate about it too. But so often as we start to develop a prayer life, we start to pray prayers that feel more like a habit. And that's where this idea of spiritual disciplines that we struggle with, that's where those kind of things come from. When it's a habit that we just have to do because somebody told me we should, right? And so I love this. Colin, was as we were talking about this message, he, he was telling me about something he heard that, that there should be two types of prayers that we pray, prayers that are free and prayers that are formed. And what I mean by that is a prayer that is formed, I, I think of that as like a prayer that's planned, right? That's like a prayer time where you go into your quiet time and every day you sit down and you say, God, please be with me in this time you know, show me what you want me to see from your word. Teach me. Those are the kinds of prayers that are formed. Maybe we, we have a prayer written on a card and it's hanging on our bathroom mirror and we read it every day and we pray that same prayer every day and that's great. Formed par- prayers are great because it causes us to learn to like pray constantly and it causes us to be intentional about what we're praying. But oftentimes, if our prayers are only formed prayers, they're shallow because they become a habit that we just do. Every day at 6 a.m., I wake up and do my quiet time. I pray this prayer. I read it out of my journal. I read one verse. I write down the verse in my own words. And I never spend any time actually talking to God or hearing from him. So our prayers can't just be formed because they become shallow. So we also have to have prayers that are free. And what I mean by that is prayers that are spontaneous. And I think of these as prayers that are more reactions to life. Because we can't always plan the things that come our way. We can't be planning how we're going to pray every prayer. But when we pray constantly and when we pray with an alert mind, we can be praying all the time because even though life's changing, we can pray these free prayers. God, I'm in this moment right now and I need you and I'm struggling with this and I need you and I need your strength, whatever it is. So we pray prayers that are formed and we pray prayers that are free. James 5.16 says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Does anybody know what the word fervent means? No? I was kind of hoping somebody could help me out. I'm kidding. I know what it means, Emma. It means like passionate, all right? Emma, I was hoping you would know. You're educated. Oh, man. All right. So this verse is telling us that when someone's praying passionately, that prayer can accomplish much. But if we're praying just out of habit, are we really talking to God? 
Or are we just doing it to check a box and to hear ourselves pray? If that's the case, we're not actually praying, right? The next thing it tells us is that we should pray with a thankful heart. So we pray thankfully. We pray thankfully. In Philippians chapter 4, it says that, guys, this is one of my favorite verses. This is like a life verse for me. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And that passage, guys, was written by that guy we were talking about, Paul. Paul, who spent a lot of his life in jail because of his beliefs. He was put in prison a lot of the different places that he went just because he wanted to tell people about Jesus. And oftentimes from jail, he wrote words like, don't worry about anything. I don't know about you guys, but I worry about small things. I've never been to prison. And I know if I was in prison, I would have a hard time writing my family a letter that said, hey, don't worry, it's cool. But Paul's able to do that because he's experienced the peace that God gives when we reach out to him. When we reach out to him to thank him for all that he's done. So Paul, from a place of fear and where most of us would be worried, is able to say, don't worry. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. It goes on to say, do not be anxious about anything, but with everything through prayer and petition, I think that's another version. Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. When we pray to God and we're thankful for what he's done, he gives us a peace that we can't even understand. This passage that we looked at in Colossians also teaches us who to pray for. If we spend our entire life praying just for things that we want and things that we need, we're missing a huge part of what prayer is meant to be. And if your prayer life up till now has just been, God, this is what I need. God, fix this for me. God, help me with that. God, you're missing part of it. God, God wants us to pray for the things that we need. He wants us to pray for comfort for strength when we need it, but he also wants us to pray for other people. So fill this in. The next thing that we do is we pray selflessly. We pray selflessly. It goes on in that passage to say, pray for us too, that, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his plan. And Paul's saying like, hey, don't just pray for what you need, but pray for what others need, Right? Pray for what other people need. Look at the people in your small group, the people at your table, the people in your class, the people at school that you hate, and pray for them. Do you guys understand how freeing it can be when you turn to God? Instead of someone who makes you angry, instead of holding a grudge against them, turning to God and saying, God, help me love them better. And would they know the love that you have for them? Man, that'll change your heart. I know that firsthand. The Bible calls us to pray for others. 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 says, Here are my directions. Pray much for others. Plead for God's mercy upon them. Give thanks for all he is going to do for them. Pray much for others. I love that last line. Give thanks 
to God for all he's going to do for other people. Man, how much would that, like, show how much we love people? How much would that free us? We're talking about breaking free. Instead of looking at people and, and judging, I like that person and I don't like that person, what if we walked around and we were able to say, God, thank you for what you're doing in Dez's life. Thank you for what you're doing in Kendra's life with her imaginary friend. Seriously, guys, that's huge. If we're able to, like, look at our friends and thank God for what he's going to do through them, that's incredible. That's how we become the church, and that's how we love each other and hold each other up. Lastly, guys, here's your last fill-in. We're to pray actively. Pray actively. And the reason we put this here is because I know I've been guilty of this, and you guys probably have been too. So often we pray for God to do something or God to change something or God to provide us an opportunity, and we never do anything about it. Man, if there's a sin that you struggle with, God, take this struggle away from me. And then you don't do anything to protect yourself. God, Give me good grades in school. How many of us have prayed for good grades or good grade on a test? Yeah, that's not an excuse to not study. It doesn't work like that. Especially since I know you guys do that, and so every night before I go to bed, I say, God, give them all an F on their tests tomorrow if they don't actually study. Give them all an F, all right? And you know what? I do something about it. I'm praying actively because then I wake up in the morning, I call your principal, and I'm like, look, here's who you need to give an F to today, all right? Because I'm praying actively, especially for you. (laughs) Pray actively because we're supposed to take part in our relationship with God. And if there's things in life that we want, things that we want to change, look, some things are out of our control, all right? I know that. I know that just as much as you guys. When I was your age and my grandma had cancer, I prayed till I was blue in the face for her to be healed. And there's not a darn thing I could have done about it. There was no action I could have taken to heal her. So sometimes there's things in life that we can't do anything about. But if you're praying for God to provide something for you, or change something in your life, and God's just saying, okay, I'm ready, for you. I'm ready for you to take the next step. You gotta be willing to take the next step. You gotta be willing to take the next step. Right? A great example of this, Steve in his message on, on Sunday talked about caring for people in need, Right? And man, we might feel so compelled. Our heart goes out to someone that we see and we see that they have a need and we're like, hey God, would you, would you, why aren't you doing anything to help them? And God might be looking at us and saying, why aren't you doing anything to help them? God's not a genie that we just go to for the things that we need. Prayer is about having a relationship with God It's about being in communion and fellowship with him. It's something that we take part in by praying actively. And as we develop that prayer life, then we start to experience the freedom that comes 
from being in relationship with God. We experience the freedom that comes from having God's strength in things that we struggle with or things that we need help with, right? So tonight, we're going to worship in just a second. The worship band's going to come out. We're going to worship together some more. And uh, man, I, would just, I just would encourage you guys as we're worshiping that you would commit that time to giving back to God thanks for what he's done for you. And maybe this is a time where you need to, maybe it's been a long time since you've prayed. So maybe this is just a moment where you need to shut your eyes, pray, spend some time talking to God. And then when we're done, junior high students, it's normal night for you guys. You're headed into your small groups to continue talking about prayer, why we do it, how we do it, how we can encourage each other. And uh, sixth graders and your parents, we're going to head over to the outlet after we worship for a quick uh, conversation. But right now, uh, let me pray for us, and then let's worship together. Heavenly Father, God, we love you so much. We thank you for your word. I thank you for everyone that's here tonight. Would you just be moving in this room as we give back to you? And uh, God, would you move in our small group time? And uh, would we just feel your presence And would we feel encouraged to to reach out to you and to say things to you that we've wanted to say, but maybe we've been struggling to say them. God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.